Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confess our sins this morning is found in Psalm 39. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. This week, I attended the funeral for Pastor Greg Strawbridge, and his Bible from college days was opened on the display, open to this passage. And he had underlined, marked in it, and written in all caps at the top, TIME. Uh, teach us to number our days, Scripture says. And as I stood at his coffin, I recalled the times that he had helped me through conflict in the church, through personal struggles. He was a mentor. And uh, Greg liked to sing this hymn, which I'd like to quote for our call to confession. I lay my sins on Jesus. The spotless Lamb of God, he bears them all and frees us from the accursed load. I bring my guilt to Jesus to wash my crimson stains, white in his blood most precious, till not a stain remains. I lay my wants on Jesus, all fullness dwells in him. He heals all my diseases, he doth my soul redeem. I lay my griefs on Jesus, my burdens and all my cares. He from them all releases, he all my sorrows shares. I rest my soul on Jesus, this weary soul of mine. My right hand he embraces, and I on his breast recline. I love the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ the Lord. Like fragrance on the breezes, his name abroad is poured. I'm not going to get through this last verse, but I'm going to try. I long to be like Jesus, strong, loving, holy. I long to be like Jesus, the Father's holy child. I long to be with Jesus amid the heavenly throng to sing the saints his praises, to learn the angels' song. This puts in perspective those sins that we have committed against one another, against our God, and it reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So please kneel if you are able, and I'll pray our prayer of confession. gather together and worship in your name and we thank you that you have marked us with your name Christians that we are in Christ and we are bound to him we thank you for the grace and mercy that you give to us in him and we just praise you for your goodness your mercy oh Lord how kind you have been to us Lord we pray that you would help us as we come to your word this day that you would help us to understand it um, with clarity that you would help apply these things to our lives, that you would teach us, correct us, rebuke us, train us in righteousness, that we may be thoroughly equipped for the day in which you have placed us, that we may be discerners of the times and discerners of our own hearts. And Lord, as need need be, Lord, that you would send your spirit to us to convict us of things that we need to repent of and turn to you and trust in Christ and what he is doing in our lives. We praise you for your goodness and we lift you up May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, We live in a a nation and a culture. This is called on sheep and shepherds. So we're going to look at sheep and shepherds today. And uh, by that, uh, we mean the people in the flock of God and uh, the shepherds who are over them. And uh, you should have seen that in some of the things that were said and read 
in the text for today. So we live in a nation and a culture that minimizes submission to authority in many instances and really outright rejects authority oftentimes. Um, we've seen that in the last couple of years with the, the radical measures of groups like Antifa and, uh, and BLM against the police officers as they have rioted against police authority um, and people have hit the streets um, in rebellion against really against authority. Governmental officials and employers and teachers and parents and husbands, those who are uh, in positions of authority are often ridiculed and scorned by memes that you see out in social media. Uh, you see that in TV sitcoms and movies. You see and hear of it in the break rooms when you're at work. Uh, you hear it and see it within homes. Right? Authorities, instead of being respected by inferiors, and uh, I use that word because that's the word, inferiors, that's the word that is used by our church fathers for those who are under authority. So that's a, a good word, and that word just makes us cringe today, doesn't it? It almost makes me cringe saying it. <laughs> but that's a, a good word that is used, and we get that. And I'll explain this a little bit, so hang in there. So authorities, instead of being respected by inferiors, often have to establish authority uh, by compulsion or by force. And it seems that is more and more the case. And we see that in all spheres of authority. Sadly, uh, there is often a lack of submission in the church of Jesus Christ as well. Um, leaders and elders and pastors are scorned. Uh, or thought of as employees or puppets to do the congregation's bidding. And we see them scorned as well in often social media contexts or in movies or things like that. Pastors, elders, particularly pastors, but those who are in authority. And so when we have that position where they're, they're seen as employees or puppets to do the congregation's bidding, that is to be, as, in, as we saw Jesus outline that in John 10, that is a hireling, right? A hireling, but a true shepherd, he goes on to talk about. He is a true shepherd, and he expects his pastors to be true shepherds. We read something else for God's people in Scripture. You see, God's intended way is different than what the world does or for those who are under authority of the church elders. And so we need to consider those things. And I think it is appropriate um, in our day to be discussing this because of where we are um, as a nation, as a people, as God's people in a nation such as ours in our day. The text for today is Hebrews 13, verse 17. So let me read that. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are... For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Now, there are two different categories of people in this passage if you look at it. The first is directed to those who are under the authority of the elders. Under the authority of those who are in ecclesiastical church leadership, those who are ruled over by the elders. And the second group is the rulers and the elders. And both groups have responsibility to the other group. There's responsibility that's back and forth to each. Now, how those two groups interact is of vital importance to the health of the church, both at large and more importantly, like in a local sense as well, because this is where things operate in the local sphere, right? For us living in a culture that despises authority and the word submission, we need to understand biblically what our roles are because at heart, it is a gospel issue as we will see. That is what we want to look at today as we all need to understand what it means to submit in a culture that hates such biblical duties. And we will conclude this by considering the elders' responsibility in this passage as well. So there are three things that you, the congregation, are called to in this passage. 
The first thing is that you're called to um, obey and submit. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, in a culture that doesn't like authority, doesn't like submission and all of those things, that's fighting words. Them's is fighting words, right? (laughs) When we hear that word submit, man, these are words that rankle us. This has risen because of grave misunderstandings of authority and equality, equality and what equality is, and because we've all been infected with uh, egalitarianism, right? The fact that we have this egalitarian virus, forget COVID virus, there's a far more dangerous virus, and that is egalitarian virus, right? We've been taught that everyone is the same, Everyone is equal. Everyone is identical. But everyone is not called to sameness. That is not how God created this world. Right? He didn't create us all as these strange automatons that are all genderless, <laughs> walking around, right, doing everything the same. That is a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. That is where our culture is. Jesus, I mean, just simply look at Jesus in his relationship with his father. Jesus obeyed the father. He talked about obeying the father and spoke and did only what the father told him. Jot down some notes. I'm not going to read through these, but look it up. John tells us in John 14, 10 through 11, Verse 31, 15, 10, and 15. I mean, just go through John 14 and 15, right? And see what Jesus' response is to the Father and how he responds to the Father. And by the way, right? John, the book of John, the epistle of John, the gospel of John is inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God, right? It is God's word, so we need to hear his word. So, here's Jesus obeying and submitting to the Father, right? And yet, he was still fully God. Right? He was still fully God. Equal with God. Right? The Father. Equally God and yet distinct from the Father. Right? Even though he submitted and he obeyed the Father. Right? Yes, we're all equally human, okay? And that's one of the things that comes up. You know, when we talk about that word inferior or something like that, right? Or superior, right? We are all equally human of equal value and worth. Everyone here. Equal before the law. As Christians, equal in that there is no longer Jew or Greek slave or free, male nor female. Through Jesus, we are on level ground regarding salvation and being members of the covenant. We are on level ground, right? But there are governmental structures in the home, in the civil realm, and within the church, something we call sphere sovereignty, where there are different spheres, okay? And those are governmental structures, if you will. In other words, children in the home are called to submit to their parents, right? Children in their home are called to submit to their parents. Everyone in a household, in other words, doesn't just hang out with everyone else being the same, right? Because that, as we all know, would create chaos. It would create anarchy. The two-year-old doesn't make the same decisions as the 42-year-old father, That would be foolish anarchy. Although, today that is up for debate, right? I just heard somebody saying, well, of course we wait till a child is two years old before we have a gender reveal because that child has to make the decision. That's how far we've gone. (laughs) I mean, come on. Really? Now, as a child is to submit to his parents, 
does that mean that the child is less of a person? No. No. Less in value? No. Less in worth? No. We understand the need for submission within the home, right? And in the workplace, right? The buck has to stop somewhere. That's why there are managers and CEOs. We get that, right? As we work in a workplace, if everybody's just on the same level, that does create some anarchy. There's no leadership then. There's no way of going moving forward, right? Because everybody's the same, right? Same, same. So we have managers, we have CEOs, right? The same goes for the military. If you take that out into the military, right? Why are there generals? Why are there lieutenants? Why are there sergeants? Why are there privates, right? We understand that. And I think for the most part, this mostly makes sense to most rational people. It's how we practically operate. Though we often shirk away from the term submission, still, we get it intrinsically. Though we understand this in the civil realm and in the familial realm, often when it comes to the church, this is the realm where people think there ought to be no authority. And that's what this text for today is talking about. The need for authority within the church as well. Leadership in the church. Right? That everyone, oftentimes we think that everyone is on, in, this, in the congregation is the same, equal, and so they have an equal vote, they have an equal say, they have an equal everything. That is something called congregationalism. And often that devolves into anarchy. That's why there is so many little church splits and things like that, because that devolves into anarchy with hundreds of little popes all doing and asserting their own agendas. Right? And such thinking is not biblical. Not biblical. The author of Hebrews tells us right here that we are to obey and submit to those who rule over us and... We need to remember that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and correction and rebuke and training in righteousness. That the word of God uh, may thoroughly equip us for every good work. So, definitions are important. What does submission mean? Right? What does submission mean? There is indeed a misunderstanding of this word submission doesn't mean doing stuff when we agree doing stuff when we agree but grumbling and complaining when we don't agree when we don't get our own agenda or simply not doing it because we believe we are bound by our conscience Have you ever have anybody tell you that I'm bound by my conscience I can't do that Right? And sometimes that's a true and valid thing, and sometimes that's just an excuse to get your own way. I'm just bound by my conscience, right? Imagine if your child told you he couldn't pick up his room because he was bound by his conscience to live in a messy room. Right? It helps, he, he tells you, it helps his creativity to live in this messy room. And so I'm bound by my conscience to really follow my own heart. Right? If we only do what we're told when the, the leaders are in line with our own thinking, then that is only agreement, not submission. Submission is obeying even when we disagree. And oftentimes we obey better we submit better like in a workplace because we know the consequences of not doing that is that we might lose our job. Right? And we do better there. And then when it comes to this church, well, that's a different story. Right? Submission is obeying even when we disagree. And a classic example for me in, in my thinking is Trumpkin in Prince Caspian, the book Prince Caspian by you know, C.S. Lewis, when, when Trumpkin, 
disagreed with Caspian and the blowing of the horn um, and going to find help. And if he blow, blows his horn, you know, help is going to come. That's the tradition that's been there. And, and Trumpkin's thinking, this is crazy. There's not going to be any help. What are you talking about? Right? He's, he's the classic humanist or dwarfist. I, you know. <laughs> right? Pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. Forget blowing the horn. Let's just do the job. Right? And he's arguing with them about this. But then he said to Nicobrick when it finally was decided, no, we're going to go blow this horn. And Trumpkin says, thimbles and thunderstorms, cried Trumpkin in a rage. Is that how you speak to the king? Send me, sire. I'll go. Now he's just been arguing to not do it. And then he says, send me, king. I'll go and do this. I'll go blow this horn. Find out about it. Go see what happens. And then Caspian says, but I thought you didn't believe in the horn, Trumpkin. And he says, no more I do, your majesty. But what's that got to do with it? I might as well die in a wild goose chase as die here. You are my king. I know the difference between giving advice and taking orders. You've had my advice, and now it's time for orders. You get that? Right? You saints here of this congregation are called to submit in such a fashion sometimes. Right? You may not always like what's going on in the leadership, but still, we are sometimes called to submit, aren't we? To obey those in authority is our duty. We are oath-bound as Christians to submit to those who are over us because that is what God reveals for us in his word right here in Hebrews 13, 17. And that means we submit and obey those in authority over us unless or until they ask us to sin. We may not like a decision, what songs to sing, whether to use wine in communion, what the color of the carpet is, or what color stain for the floors, because I think these have been stained since I've been here last. <laughs> right? We may not like that a decision like that, but if it isn't an issue of sin then we submit. Otherwise, we sin by not submitting and obeying. What if there's a problem, though? Right? What if there's a problem? What if there's conflict? What if your pastor or elders go off the deep end? Because that's oftentimes we go to the logical end because they're just going off the deep end then. Because they're not agreeing with me. <laughs> right? What recourse is there if they are really, truly going off the deep end, right? That's, that's a good question. You see, the pastors and elders, because we're Presbyterians, are also under authority. That's why we have a plurality of elders in a congregation. Not just the pastor, but a plurality of elders. And so they're under the authority of the session, or the consistory, I think, call it here, right? Elders usually take vows by stating something like this. I vow to submit myself. This is a pastor taking his vows in a Presbyterian system. I vow to submit myself in case I become delinquent, either in doctrine or in life, to ecclesiastical discipline, according to the public ordinance of this church. He's vowing that he is under authority of the local church, the session, the consistory. Do we believe when these things are said and done that they mean something? When a pastor takes a vow like this, do we believe that that actually means something? Or do we think, eh, you know, I'm just going to take this vow because that's the tradition that we have and stuff and it doesn't really mean anything. We often operate like that, but we ought not. Right? It means something. Right? It's not just a meaningless ritual. Because if it's just a meaningless ritual, if it's just tradition, then why do it? Why do it? But we still do that. We still do that in the CREC. Right? I believe it means something very deeply when a pastor takes vows like this. 
that taking vows in Scripture is taken very seriously. We are told, let our yes be yes and our no, no. And when we take a vow, that means something that has weight to it. And so it isn't just an empty ritual when the elders vow to submit to ecclesiastical discipline. Nor is it empty ritual when you vow and your membership vows to support the ministry of this church in its worship and work, submitting to its government and discipline while pursuing its purity and peace. But that means something. That, that has weight to it. So what safety net is there for you if there is a problem with your elders? You can take it to a higher court. You can take it to the local session, the local consistory. You can take it beyond that to your presbytery. That's the proper order of how things go. Now, that's if something goes wrong, right? It, there is recourse, proper recourse to be able to address things, right? Now, here's some practical advice, real practical things. Fathers and husbands, how do you teach your children and your wives what obedience and submission looks like? How do you teach your children? There's a lot of young children here. How do you teach your children what submission looks like and obedience looks like? One of the best ways you can do that is by you submitting and obeying those who are in authority over you. Right? Especially in the church. Because this is oftentimes where we're together with the body of Christ and so they can see some of those things. And they hear you not going and complaining later on about something that happened, right? But that you can teach them those things, right? And when you do so, you will be amazed at how easy it will be for your children and your wives to submit to you, man. Okay? So you're called by God's holy word to submit and obey your pastor, your elders, your session, your consistory. So hopefully that's clear. Secondly, you do so in a certain way, right? Look at the text. You are to do so in such a way as to bring joy and not grief to your pastor and to your elders. You see the weight just being added on to you? <laughs> You feel that weight coming down on you, right? You're to do so to bring joy and not grief. How do you bring joy to them? Well, there are several ways that you can bring them joy. Just some suggestions. You can obey and submit to them, right? When things need to be decided and things are worked out and, and all of that, and you can obey and submit to them. And if they are leading you in all godliness, that's a joy to you as well. So sometimes, you know, like our pride gets in the way and it stumbles us up. You ought to honor your pastor and your elders, secondly, wherever you are. Wherever you are. You know, introduce your pastor to your friends around town, right? Introduce your pastor to maybe a coworker or something like that. Introduce Greg, your elder, to someone around town. And honor them with that. Give honor to them. Honor that office and show that you honor that office and respect that office and you respect him as a person or them as a person. When you give honor to your elders, when you give honor to your pastor in the community, others will give him honor in the community as well. All right? They will also do that. And that will bring joy to him. That will your pastor, that will bring joy to your elder, elders, although I'm not over here <laughs> as much as Greg is, although I think Greg's kind of <laughs> not, not here a whole lot, <laughs> uh, at least recently. So for your pastor, you ought to hear him preach forth the word of God and then encourage him in that. Give him encouragement. Ask questions. Pay attention. And then as you, as you know, things maybe don't make quite sense that you're trying to put things together, ask questions. You know? 
That's, that's one of the things that pastors love is to receive questions to be able to fulfill something out more maybe that was brought up in a, in a text or something because I can guarantee Pastor Steve has studied way more than what he brings <laughs> to, the, to the sermon, right? And so there's a lot more there. If there's something that's in ask him. That's honoring to him. That's, uh, that's bringing joy to his heart. Right? And so give him encouragement. Ask questions. Take an interest in what he's teaching you. Pay attention to what the other elders and deacons are doing to lead the congregation and encourage them as well. Right? When you encourage, that, that's building up. That's increasing. That's giving peace. Right? Encourage. Give them thanks for the work that they do on your behalf. On your behalf. Right? And that includes all sorts of things. You know, making sure the building's ready to go um, on a Sunday morning for worship. Being able to uh, uh, pray for you and, and uh, study to bring the text to, to bear. Not just in the sermon, but in your lives as well. You know, all of those things go into a pastor's life. Right? Delight in your pastor and your elders and their families. Invite them to your home. Be hospitable. Open up your home to them as they do with you. Grow in godliness. That, that is the heart of a pastor, to see you growing in godliness. Seek wisdom. Pray for your pastors and elders. Provide for your pastor and his family, for he is worthy of double honor according to the scriptures because of the work that he is doing. Because it's hard work. And as you honor him and as your pastor and as you honor your elders and your deacons, you are truly doing such to Jesus as well. You're doing such to Jesus as well. Do you realize this? Right? Oftentimes I don't think we realize that Jesus is back here behind the authority, right? He is back there. They are... Christ's representatives to you and as you do to them so you do to Jesus himself and Jesus lays this out in scripture right? remember Paul on the road to Damascus going there to persecute the Christians to bind them to bring them back to Jerusalem to put them under court right when Paul met Jesus on the road Jesus said to him Saul Saul why are you persecuting who who? What do you say? Me. Why are you persecuting me? Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was going to persecute these Christians, this odd sect. No, Jesus said, no, you're persecuting me. Right? He's persecuting me. Or when Jesus says, as you do unto the least of these, my brethren... You do it unto me. Right? Jesus connects himself with God's people. And he does so with his leaders as well. The leaders in his church. It's his church. It's not your pastor and elders church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. It's Christ's church. Right? And so there's a connection with Jesus and his church. And Jesus and his elders they represent the authority of Christ to you. As you submit to them, you submit to Christ Jesus. And we say the same for other authorities, don't we? Right? We can look at some, some other passages like Romans 13. We can look at Ephesians 6 for the home. Right? And children in the, in the, in the home and submitting to their wives in the home. Right? So we, we see that all over the place. And, and like we often have said, I think, in CREC circles, you know, when we're disciplining, disciplining our children, the children need to see, Je you know, the husband standing behind the wife, but we also need to see Jesus standing behind the husband, right? Because that's where the authority ultimately goes back to. All authority is derived authority. All authority is derived authority. It comes ultimately from the Lord God. I mean, in Romans 13 says that specifically about ministers in the civil realm. So when you submit to those who are in authority over you, you submit to Jesus Christ. And this is where it is a gospel issue. 
how you deal with those in authority over you in this context, your local church leadership, your pastor, your elders, your deacons. As you do that, you are either showing what Jesus believed about submission or you're showing what fallen man or even the devil affirms about submission or the lack thereof. Right? But if Jesus submitted to the Heavenly Father in the economy of the triune God, then surely you ought to also be able to live in the peace and purity of the church and submission to the authorities over you as well. Now, there's also a warning to Christians in this passage. The author says, Obey and submit. Do so in such a manner as to bring joy to your leaders and not grief, because such will surely be unprofitable for you. If you don't submit, if you don't obey, if you don't do so with joy, bringing them joy, then it will be unprofitable for you. Right? That's weight. There's weight there. Do you want things to go well for you? <laughs> right? That's the, the opposite thing, right? That you can, the opposite direction you can take. If you want things to go well for you, then what do you do? You submit and you obey and you bring joy to your elders. Very simple. If you don't, if you dishonor your pastor and elders, if you talk behind their backs, if you grumble and complain, if you don't resolve anger and misunderstandings, then you are kicking against the goads that God himself has put there for you for your good. You're kicking against the goads. Paul found out that didn't work so well. Right? Now rest assured, things will not go well for you personally nor as a congregation when you spurn the authority of your leadership that Christ has put there for your good. Right? Now finally, what's the responsibility of the pastor and elders? Right? Because they're also in this passage. What is the responsibility there? Pastors and elders have a tremendous burden. They are called by God, look at the text there, to watch out for your souls. Because they are going to give an account. To watch out for your souls. That weighs on pastors and elders, right? Whenever we're dealing with anything, that's a weight on us because we see the weight of God's word being applied out into your life. And if you're engaged in sin, that is a weight upon us because we have watch care for your souls. Right? That is the huge weight upon the shoulders of any godly elder, and especially the pastor. They're watching out for you like a shepherd does with his sheep. Right? Jesus gives us such a great example of that in John 10 that Pastor Hemicky read earlier. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, but all pastors and elders are also under shepherds. Under shepherds, under the great shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? Right? And having sheep, um, I, I used to not like sheep. <laughs> I hated sheep. Um, my daughter got sheep. I was a cow guy. Still kind of a cow guy. Right? But I've appreciated having sheep and seeing uh, how sheep respond to a shepherd. Primarily to my daughter um, and how they respond to them. So... A shepherd watches the sheep to ensure they are eating, drinking, growing, staying healthy. Right? I mean, that's just practical things, right? A shepherd is making sure that you're eating, drinking, growing, and staying healthy. Right? Isn't that a shepherd's job? Right? In the church, that's what a shepherd does as well. That's what your pastor does. That's what your elders do. Cares for the needs of the sheep. A shepherd cares for the needs of the sheep. A shepherd leads them to green pastures. Right? Where they can feed and where they can lie down in these green pastures. It's much nicer to lay down in a green pasture than a dry desert pasture. Right? Green pasture is much nicer. Right? In August when uh, the, the, all our lawns start drying up, Right? It's not very nice to go out walking barefoot across a dried up lawn. It's much nicer in the springtime when it's, everything's green and lush. Right? The shepherd uses his crook to fend off enemies of the sheep. 
but also uses the crook to correct and guide the sheep that are getting out of line, right? Nudging them this way, nudging them that way, making sure that they're going in the right direction because a sheep is wont to go in the wrong direction. A shepherd has to be gentle with them or they will scatter, right? And sheep know the shepherd's voice and follow. I have experiential knowledge of that. I've done that with my daughter. They won't listen to me, but they follow her. They'll go where she goes because they know her name, or she knows their name, and they know her voice, and they follow after her. They scatter when I come around, right? Because I'm not their shepherd. Sheep will do dumb things sometimes, and they get entangled in messes, and the shepherd helps them get untangled, sometimes while the sheep is trying to kick against the shepherd. And he's trying to untangle them from a fence or some kind of thing that they've wrapped themselves up in. And they don't like it. And they're kicking against the shepherd as he's trying to help them. Right? But a good shepherd will continue in that task. The shepherd who is committed to the sheep will lay down his life for the sheep and not run away when something bad arises like a hireling when enemies come, when the wolves come. A, sheep will, or a shepherd will not, a good godly shepherd will not run off like a hireling. That's what hirelings do. Do you get the picture? Right? Godly, faithful pastors and elders desire to watch out for the souls of their flock. And one of the hardest things for pastors and elders who really love you is to watch their sheep hurting themselves. It's to watch the sheep hurting themselves. It, it grieves our hearts to watch you beat yourself bloody sometimes, whacking yourselves or butting your heads against a fence post. Right? And I'm using imagery, but that's, it's the same thing. Right? It's the same type of thing. Do we bloody ourselves sometimes by doing stupid things? Yeah, we're people. Of course we do. That's why we need a shepherd. That's why we need the shepherd. Pastors and elders, watch out for your souls, for they are under shepherds and they must give an account. We must give an account before the Lord to the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we heard that tremendous burden of responsibility mentioned in Ezekiel 3 this morning. Right? A tremendous responsibility that is mentioned in Ezekiel 3. This is important to remember the weight of responsibility that is put on the shoulders of shepherds of the flock of God. Right? And they take that. A good godly pastor, good godly elders are going to take that. Deacons are going to take that with weight. They're going to feel that weight and they want to put that upon their shoulders for you and for your sake. Therefore, make their life easy. <laughs> I mean, make their life easy. Submit and obey, do good, share, love one another as Jesus has loved you. And just as a side note, do you see how these things stress the importance of church membership as well? Church membership. It's really hard for all of this to take place if you don't have elders over you. If you're not submitting, right? The, it's, you're alienating yourself from God by not being a member of his church. And the text sort of just assumes, right? And so many of the biblical texts in the New Testament just assume that you will be under shepherds. That you will be a part of the church, a member of the church. It's assumed that there are pastors and teachers serving the church and Christians are under them. Right? The letters of the New Testament are almost all written to churches, to people, but people who are part of the congregation. Part of congregations, part of being in a congregation that has leadership. 
And thus it's hard to submit and obey those who rule, to those who rule over you if, if you are not part of a congregation, right? It's just, it's not easy. So if you are not, then become a part of a congregation, right? <laughs> All right. That's basically it. <laughs> you know, in some regards, it sounds pretty simple, right? It sounds fairly simple, but you see there is this old sinful self in our flesh that we continually battle with because we're not in our glorified bodies yet, right? We haven't been fully redeemed in that sense yet, right? And so we still struggle in this body of flesh that Paul talks about in Romans 7, right? So we have to battle this flesh. So be quick to repent and ask for forgiveness and seek to obey and submit, bringing joy to your pastor and to your elders and your deacons, and you will all thrive. Right? That's, that's what we all want, right? Is to thrive wherever we are, but we want to thrive in the church as well. That is what we want for you, is for you to thrive, to do well, to be like a good, fat, and sassy sheep, right? That's what our triune God wants for you as well, right? And here, as we see that, and we come to the table, we see the great example of the great shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. Laying down his life for his sheep. That is where the gospel meets the road in this passage as well. Because, let me tell you right now, you are going to fail at this. <laughs> right? The things that I've said this morning, you are going to fail, especially if you're trying to do it all in your own power and strength. Right? Thank God He's given us another helper. We have the Holy Spirit who is with us, who is sanctifying us and growing us to be more like Jesus. But we are going to fail at this. You are going to fail. The pastors and elders are going to fail to lead you perfectly in this as well. We have not been fully sanctified yet. We will falter. We will fall. And so will you. And so then what? Then what? We look to Jesus. Right? We look to Jesus and experience the forgiveness and love that he has had for us Poor, dumb sheep. And the patience and love that he has extended to us even when we kick against him. Right? And I think we all can experience that. We all ex have experienced that. And we see that he gave his life for us that we might have life abundantly. Right? That's what Jesus said. Talking about sheep and shepherds. That we might have it abundantly in him and we see that he was broken for us his blood was shed for us so that we might live that our sins could be atoned for that we would love live patiently with one another and so when we see what jesus has done that's where the gospel comes in because when we do fail we go to jesus who has covered our sins and we look to him he is the author and perfecter of our faith it is to him who is helping us to walk in these ways and to be able to live patiently with one another and to love each other, right? This is where Jesus leads us beside the still water and the green pastures to feed us and equip us through his work in us and for us. This is where we are reminded of his great work for us and we should be overwhelmed with gratitude towards what Christ has done. Because even when we do fail, we have Jesus, our Redeemer. And so we should be overwhelmed with gratitude. And he sets this table for us in the presence of our enemies. He sets this table for us in the presence of his enemies. That even though the battle rages on all around us, all around us throughout the week and, and all of that, going on right now all around us, the battle is going on. Right Here, we are lifted up to the heavenly realm and we are seeing what Christ has done. We are worshiping him at his holy footstool, at his throne. And so he sets us a table in the presence of our enemies that even though the battle rages on all around us, here this day, at this hour, we have rest in him and we have peace together.
right? The peace of Christ. We meet him and he is here with us, restoring our souls, feeding us that we might go forth equipped by him, not by our own strength, but by him and through his Holy Spirit to do his work and to fight the good fight of the faith. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this text that you have given to us. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help these things to really remind us of your glory and your majesty. Lord, we have no power or strength in our own. And Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way for us. We thank you that we have strength in Christ. We, have, we, we give you thanks that we have strength through your spirit. That through him, we might be sanctified, O oh Lord, to apply these things to ourselves, to our congregation, to our day. And Lord, strengthen us and equip us. Help us to be discerners of the times in which we live. That your glory may be seen over the face of the earth. And especially here in this local level, as we seek to do these things by your grace and mercy. my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. As shepherds of the flock of Christ, we desperately want to feed you with what you need. And what you need is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God arranges it so that you get exactly that here at this table, the bread of life. Jesus is the food we need, so come and welcome to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.